Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fear of the Fincast. It is 8.30 p.m. on a rainy Tuesday evening in Southern California. I actually don't know. Is it raining in Northern California? We did yesterday. It didn't, I don't think it did today. March okay, 21st. Yeah, I was, I was just going to hit it. I was just gonna hit it. Uh, go. <laughs> we were going to get angry emails about that, but I didn't say what day it was. Uh, <laughs> Probably the best piece of feedback we've ever gotten on anything we've done was say the date in the podcast. So we're both like, oh, yeah, that actually oh, yeah. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Huh, that's actually better. Yeah, you bunch of idiots. Uh, I'm Jacob Sutter. We're here with Marcus White, also staff writer at Fear the Fin. Uh, hey, the Sharks have lost four games in a row. That's not so good. It's a long week. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who scheduled up this week, uh, which is something that every fan of every NHL team is saying after this. DeBoer week. joked in an interview with NHL.com. He's like, "Yeah, I, I think he's like he he theorized that this was like the last week they scheduled." For like in the NHL in general, and they're just like, eh, okay, like whatever, like go to Dallas, yeah, yeah. go to Dallas twice on one road trip. Who cares? <laughs> and uh, you know what's funny is that like there have been times in a uh, yeah where, where the Sharks will do that like home and home against Vancouver. Like that's happened every single yes. year for as long as I can remember. Um, and it kind of feels like they're doing that, and they're like, huh? You remember how we've done that stupid thing that Vancouver thing? It's like, yeah, we kind of do that, but they do Dallas twice, and it's like. Yeah. Hey, pass that over here, baby. Yeah, pass that over good. here, and it's like, yeah, let's do that. The good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and no, it's, just... it's, a, it's an odd scheduling decision, but you know, in the same interview, uh, he said every team in the NHL has dealt with like bad travel weeks like this all year, so we don't really have a huge right to complain. But uh, it hasn't helped them on the ice, as you mentioned. They've now lost four straight. Uh, didn't play... a travel a road back to back at it's any tough. time? I think should not happen in a. It's tough. In a modern sport. Unless, league. yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think the only time it's remotely defensible is LA to Anaheim or New York right. to New Jersey or like in the Northeast, like in those cities that are so close to each other where it's not necessarily like. It's either, know, uh, they, got into the, they got into the hotel last night at like 2 a.m. flying ridiculous. from Dallas to Minnesota. That's ridiculous. Right. I mean, I don't. I agree. I don't think back to back. I mean, you're seeing it talked about more now in basketball. I don't think back to back should be a thing uh, in those sports. Baseball still makes some sense to me, like that they can play multiple games in a span of days. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. The, but if they were to have back to backs, and maybe this is something the union can collectively bargain, is like only schedule them for California. But then again, you're going to have teams saying, "Oh, well, that's an unfair advantage." But there should be some like flight radius. Like it can't be. You can't have a back to back in a city that's uh, longer than an hour away by like train or flight, you know? Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, and this is something that I think is getting talked about more, especially in the NBA where players are getting rested for games. Yeah. And I think that that's why is the issue is getting forced. And the reason the issue isn't going to get forced in the NHL for two reasons, because uh, we have a crappy culture in the NHL where players are quote unquote uh, too tough to take days off. And uh, because the NHL players association is so weak, that they will never ever have the bargaining power to get fewer I think games. They're getting, I think they're in a stronger, stronger union position than they. Than uh, listen, uh, okay, let's 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 back it up for a second. Let's go to the last couple of lockouts. What has the NHL gained in any of those lockouts? Except, wait, no, you're right. They've got a really really nice vacation twice. What's that? Okay, well that's a low bar. No, but, is, but I, just, listen, I think Donald listen, they, 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 tried, they, they tried. They tried to get something in the first lockout. They lost an entire season and got almost right. nothing. Right. They tried to do it again. Lost half of the season and got virtually nothing. Right. They got basically, and I do mean, and listen, I know that this sounds extreme, but they got literally almost the exact same deal. They just got it four months right. later. I don't remember right. what their, uh, what their, you know. They're they got some old. stuff. They got a little bit of stuff. But listen, the big the big win this year uh, that they got was this bye week. Yeah. And listen, my my point my point being that I don't think like something big like listen the schedule going from fewer than right. eighty two games is a huge thing. Uh, I still think I I think though if push came to shove like because Donald Fair's the union head and people have long memories with these you know labor stoppages and they remember the strike the players striking in the middle of a season. I don't know if hockey players would ever do that because of the culture of hockey, but I think the owners have that fear in the back of their mind that, you know, if they like, you know, coming up maybe after, before the next Olympics, the players don't like it. Donald fair could 
could get them to strike. But I, I also don't think that's a very realistic uh, likelihood. I just think that the – and then speculation had on firmly. I think the owners uh, are tentative. That's their only fear, really. Fair enough. Uh, listen, so the we, we talked about this a little bit before the show, that despite losing four games in a row – I feel like the Sharks haven't played as terribly as you would uh, you would as you would think oh, for no. I guess for any team. Yeah, you lose four, you lose four games in a row, and uh, you know something's not working. Obviously, um, right. It feels like to me in these four games, the only game where I really have been really disappointed in the effort is the uh, is the St. Louis game, a game where I feel like they played just absolutely terribly. The other three games, I feel like they've played okay at worst. Um, I feel like in the th- though that three game span, tonight's game was the most disappointing. Yes. Um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, and it makes perfect sense. Uh, this is a game that, uh, you know, I think if just on paper, this is a scheduled loss, uh, just period, right? It's a road back-to-back against a good team uh, that's on a five-game losing streak of their own. So, listen, there's a lot of narrative stuff kind of at play here that leads to you thinking, listen, this is a game the Sharks are not supposed to win. Um, Mark Ar- Edward Vlasic doesn't play because of the flu. Yannick Hansen is still out of the lineup. Melker Carlson is out of the lineup. Yep. Now we uh, now I'm going to put the speculation hat on for a second. Chris Tierney misses the game last night because of the flu. It is not unreasonable to think that other guys are sick on, on the yeah. Sharks team right now. In fact, I'd say pretty reasonable. So listen, uh, even if we assume every other guy on the team is healthy, uh, this is not a game the Sharks are going to win nine times out of ten, I would Agreed. say. It's, and, a and it's, it's a one-goal one loss. Yeah. Uh, one of those goals, at least, is an awful goal by Martin Jones. One of the goals is a power play goal. And the other one is, I don't know, a little bit fluky. So, like, you know, to me, it's you, – you Which one do you think was awful, the Coil one or the Hansel one? The one that comes from behind the goal line. Yeah, the Hansel one. Yeah, he didn't hug the post tight enough there, yeah. Which, again, spoiler alert, is something yeah. Martin Jones does on a regular basis. So, yeah, that's something we've you know, noticed. I mean, it, but, again, that's a one bad goal that Martin Jones lets up out of the bajillion of amazing saves that he makes on a regular basis. So Yeah, he made – I thought he, so, again, he, he denied so Coil in front like he – Right. It all even. Like, it all. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pin. I'm not pinning the game on Martin of Jones. Course, they were no going to lose the game most of the time anyway. So I'm just saying, like, I'm. I just have a really hard time getting worked up about this loss. That, like, you know, if I look at this game, even on the calendar, you know, at the beginning of the season, it's like, oh, they're going to lose this game. You right. know, most of the time. That's just okay. the way it goes. Yeah, I think it's nothing to fret too much about. the The only, the biggest concern, of course, though, is the timing of it. You know. Had the Sharks not lost two games before coming into this back-to-back, I would have been like, okay, you know, they they played tough in it, Dallas, should have won that game, lost tonight on the second half of back-to-back, whatever. But because they lost those previous two games, and again, played great against Anaheim, were not very good against St. Louis. Um, that's where I think some of the causes for concern come into play. But you know, I'm you know, I think they've they're still at a good enough spot. Like they're not going to miss the playoffs. Uh, they've still got four. There's still four points up in the division. I don't know if Edmonton's in action tonight, um, but Edmonton has a game in hand. So, but they're going to have opportunities against every team in their division. They're going to play a bunch of four point games here throughout the rest of the season. They're still going to have Vancouver a couple times. Um, they've got another tough back to back on uh, this coming weekend. And I think they're, they're going to be disappointed with anything less than three points, but I'm, I'm hesitant, even with how close it is, because you know I've seen them go on small losing streaks like this before the playoffs and end up largely fine. Uh, I'm hesitant to press the panic button uh, at this point. Now, if they lose two more games in a row on the back-to-back this weekend, I think it's 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 you're right. People are right to be alarmed. I think to me again, it's not about, uh, and I wrote about this this morning. It's not. It's not the losing that should concern people, right? It's it's the way that the team is playing. And I think that, again, that goes beyond just the number of goals that they're scoring on a nightly basis. Brent Burns has been held off the score sheet now for what? Is it six games now? Uh, Five seven. games? Seven games, yeah. Uh, the dude is attempting as many shots as he has been in any of the previous games. And if if you actually watch him play, there's nothing, there's nothing different. Yeah, it's just not going um, in. I, but, they're, just, they're just not going in. You know, 
and I and I went back even before I wrote the post yesterday. You know, I was kind of thinking about maybe maybe I should write about Brent Burns. Is there something interesting here that's like worth noting? There's nothing interesting. Nothing right. is different. It's exactly. I'm still gonna write about it. Listen, it's it's good content. Yes, I love the good content. Uh, my my point is that it's just sometimes these slumps happen, and sometimes it's just coming at a bad time. Yeah. Um. You know, I. I just feel like that there are legitimate problems for the Sharks right now, and I think we should talk about them. You know, one of the the, the biggest concerns to me is that the Vlasic and Braun pairing hasn't been very good recently, and I know we've yes. kind of talked about that. Um, that's a major cause for concern because that's a pairing that's going to be leaned on a lot in the playoffs. Joe Thornton hasn't played very well. I mean, that's, I think, something that needs to be talked about. Um, you know, I, I the power play obviously hasn't been good. Whether or not that's really a that's not to me a top level concern. That's more that's like not as a, big a concern as the other two. That's the, yeah. The, the the two biggest concerns are that Joe Thornton hasn't been very good and Vlasic and Braun haven't been very good. Those are those are the Sharks' big concerns. the The big concerns to me are not you know whether or not I don't really care if the Sharks win the division. I don't really care if the Sharks have home yeah. ice in the playoffs. You know why? Because guess what? The Sharks didn't win the division last year, and the Sharks didn't have home ice in the playoffs last year. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice, right? It, sure, it would be nice to have home ice. It'd be nice for the Sharks to win the division. What matters is if the Sharks are actually a good hockey team once they get to the playoffs. And I'm right. not 100 percent convinced that they're, you know, that beyond a good team, a, a great team, obviously, is what you really need. And the reason that I I've been, you know, feeling pretty good about the Sharks' chances this year hasn't really ever been because I think they're a, a super great team. It's because. I don't really think there is a super great team in the NHL this year. Yeah, I think, the, I think that's borne out down the stretch. The Wild have lost five games in a row before tonight. And listen, that's what I've been saying this entire season. Is and that the Wild Hawks, after struggling, have won five straight. Right. Look, it's, it's not just, a you – know, it could be that, oh, they're experienced and they're turning it on at the right time. But I think more, more likely than not, it's because all of these teams, you know, even a team like Nashville, all – I. I think the top five teams of the West are all pretty even and can beat each other in any given seven game series. I think when you start to get the drop off is, and I consider Nashville in that top five, I basically saying uh, San Jose, I'll throw Edmonton in there, Chicago, St. Louis. But then after that, I think there's a pretty, I don't want to say steep drop off, but I don't think Anaheim is as good as their point totals would indicate. No, they're not. Uh, Calgary is probably more of a more concerning and more threatening than Anaheim. They absolutely are. And um, who else is going to make the playoffs in the? Is it I mean, St. Louis? I mean, Minnesota's up there, right? Right. Yeah. No, I'm saying I'm saying Minnesota, San Jose, Chicago, Nashville. That's my top four, and then throw Edmonton in there. But even Edmonton, I think, is the weak link of those five. But I think those five, like. I don't think it's going to, it's not going to be anybody else. And like those five can like, depending on the stretch, depending on what's going on and those five can beat, you know, the other one in a seven game series. Like any of those teams can beat each other in a seven game series. I think it's way more wide open than say the East where I think there, I think you really have two great teams. You have Pittsburgh, you have Washington. Uh, and even those teams have, have deep flaws in that yes. they're both one extremely injury prone and that, uh, you know, listen, the, the Capitals are a good team, but I think that even structurally, they 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 can be beaten. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I think I it's. I mean, that's what happens in a salary cap league. You have correct. You have right. parity. That's just like, the way it goes. So I yeah, I don't think the I I think the Sharks are, and that's what I thought last year too. When the you know going even going into the season, if the Sharks had made some of their changes, I I thought okay, you know, I I wasn't expecting them to make a cup run, but. I think every, we all thought they'd be a playoff team because we looked at the rest of the division and the rest of the conference and we said, okay, like there's, you know, Chicago's very good, but like there's not a lot of, you know, there's room for opportunity. And I still think there's that room for opportunity, even amidst the struggles they've had lately. I think some of it is injuries. I think their depth is being tested, even though they do, you know, they have good depth they can rely upon. And there's some guys that maybe they should give a call up that, uh, you know, to change things up after these, these four losses. Um, but I think the Carlson absence has really hurt them, even though I think T uh, Myers filled in very well on the fourth line in his place. I just think bumping Sorensen up uh, to the to the top nine isn't what they needed. Uh, and that's, you know, Hansen's absence as well hurting them because, you know, with Hansen, I think his big thing is everybody kind of slotted into the proper role with him in the lineup, like with him and, you know, 
and they, I think even then there were still some issues. I wrote about Jonas Donskoy's struggles, and I think a player like Donskoy, and as much as well as I think he played with Hurdle tonight, I just don't think either of them are finishing like are scoring goals at a high enough rate this year where I think you can warrant playing them together. I just they're great. They're great. Uh, great puck possession duo for sure, but. You know, I, I'd rather see Donskoy playing with a, a finisher like Marlowe or a finisher like Couture. But then you have Marlowe and Couture on the same line, and it creates that kind of stacking problem. Um, but, you know, as I, anyway, I digress. But Hanson being in the lineup, kind even with those struggles, on paper, that puts everyone in their proper spots. He goes down, and then Carlson goes down. Now you have Meyer filling on the fourth line. Okay, he can fill in for Carlson, but Sorensen then has to jump up and – you know, I think Sorensen had some good moments tonight, but I just I don't think he's a top nine player. I think he's a, you know, he can as needed move up into your top nine, but you like not against a good team like Minnesota. Like he should be, he's a fourth line player in the NHL, which isn't a bad thing. It's just like they, I think they're they asked a little too much of him tonight. Yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm looking at the at, at the at the time on ice now. Uh, you know, at five on five play tonight. Like Pavelski got the got the most time on ice. Joel Ward got the second most time on ice. Right. Then Marlowe, uh, like listen, I think as much as a you know a early middle of the season, you know uh, I was I was talking about you know uh, you know how great a player Joel Ward is. He is a great player. That is way too much time on ice for Joel Ward to be playing. It does should, not make sense. He should be second on the team and even strike by time. He should be sure. playing on the third line. He is a great third-line yeah. player. Moving him to the second line is a baffling decision, and I do not understand what prompted this to happen. I mean, I do. It's that Pete DeBoer is the exact wrong coach to sign – to coach a team that signed Mikel Bodker. And that was my biggest concern when the Sharks signed Mikel Bodker, that this was going to be like a uh, – Oh hey man, you know what would be a great idea? We have Henrik Sedin on our team. Let's hire a, a, a Torch to coach the team. Wasn't that going to work out great? No, it's I not going to. I wouldn't out go great. that far, but I think it, there it's, are. it's in the it's in the exact same vein though. It's the kind of player that it's just it does it's not a good system. Varying thing. degrees, yes, but I would not say it's to the same Listen, degree. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense that that it's a player that has played very well in terms of possession that creates scoring chances on the second line and then for literally no reason continues to be the guy that continues to be the fall guy on this team. Right. Even though Joel Ward is also not scoring, even though like Jonas Donskoy is also not scoring. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, it's, it's bullshit. That's what it is. It's, it is legitimately stupid. There's, there's no excuse for it because they have similar possession numbers. They have a uh, Bodger has better scoring chance numbers. They have the same scoring numbers and it right. just, it, the, 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 the Ward, Couture, the, that line is bad. It's been bad. Yeah, it's not a great it's combo. always been bad. It's been yeah. bad last year. It's been bad this year. The numbers are there, and it doesn't look good together. You know, I mean, listen, this isn't just like a numbers thing. I mean, just the eye test is is not good. Right. Last year, Donskoy was on that line with uh, – and, you right. know, Mar- Marlowe was playing the third-line role, but really – if they're scoring outputs this year and I haven't looked at Marlowe's possession numbers too, too much in depth, but it's almost as if Marlowe and Donskoy have kind of swapped roles uh, based on, at least, you know, from the postseason now in this regular season where Marlowe's the guy penciled into the top six on that second line wing and is sticking with, um, Oh, excuse me. No, he's not penciled in the second line wing because he played with the captains tonight. Right, that's but he's yeah, spent a lot of time. With this, sure. That's why I was saying earlier that, uh, yeah, exactly. So I think, and you know, I, again, yeah, I, I think it's just, again, it, it goes back to it. It's hard because you have a lot of guys that aren't scoring a lot of goals right now. So you keep Pavelski with, I, I just think it comes for the Sharks. It, it You know, may, even though Marlowe has scored, maybe you do consider moving him into a third line role and moving Donskoy up to play with. If you want Ward with Couture, then put Donskoy there because I, I just – this is it. You know, Kevin Kurz wrote about it uh, today. They need more from their depth scorers. Um, I think they only have four guys in double digits, and that's it. And they're all the four guys that have uh, gotten to twenty goals. Well, two of them play with each other all the time. Kachur and Marlowe have played with each other mostly, or it's Kachur. Excuse me, it's Marlowe and Pavelski on the same line. So I think knowing some of those struggles, I think they need to maybe sprinkle some of the scoring like elsewhere throughout the lineup because otherwise they're getting too much right now. Yeah. Otherwise they're going to be too top heavy. 
So I think so. Right now, I'm looking. This is on uh, on Corsica, uh, which I'm putting in the chat. So hi to the people who are in the chat. I'm putting this link in here. Boop, and you can go ahead and go to that link, and then uh, and you use the drop down menus. This is a pretty good site. Uh, so we'll get five on five. You score adjust the numbers. Uh, Ward, Kachur, and Bodker spent most of the time. They're, they're a lot of time together tonight, which is also a very bad line. Yeah. Um, they were a minus five tonight. Pavelski, Thornton, and Marlowe were unsurprisingly very good together because you put three of your best players together and, you know, well. And the guys who have played together each of the last a 10 lot. years. Like. Right. Uh, you know, it's a power play line, basically. Uh, Tierney, Haley, and Meyer were great together. Uh, that's We were talking about this before the show. That is an extremely good line uh, yeah. because uh, – uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons, I think, is that, you know, Meyer is way too good a player to be playing on the fourth line. Uh, just in terms of his possession ability, I think the other reason is that Haley has great chemistry with guys like this. Uh, yeah. It's just he's just a really good fit with these kinds of players. I think for the similar reason that Haley was a great fit with Carpenter, he just yeah. fits with this kind of player because he has really good hockey IQ. You know, he yeah. just knows where to go on the ice. When when there are other guys that are able to go do kind of the heavier puck possession work, he's like it just clicks for him. He's like, okay, yeah. I know what to do. I know where to go. You know, honestly, it, it feels to me like you could put uh, Michael Haley up with Joe Pavelski and Joe Thornton, and he would he, he would know what to do. They right. would put up good but, but, possession numbers. He, I think, I think, and you know, I think that's the strength that they like about Haley is, and you know, it's kind of the cliche, but I think it is true, in his sense that he does play within himself. He doesn't, uh, you know, again, I'm cliched territory, but he doesn't try to do too much. But I mean that as a compliment here, in that he knows his limitations, but he's also a smart enough player that he knows, okay, I know where I have to be playing with these guys. Um, you know, LeBanc and Meyer play a little different games, but they, they both like to have the puck on their stick and they both like to, um, you know, possess the puck. And Haley's played great with both of them. Like you mentioned, he played with Ryan Carpenter and Kevin LeBanc. Um, Which was a great I, line. That was an, that was, that was so a great good. line together. They were together. Their possession numbers were. And insane. I think what we've, what we've learned about Haley is playing with the right kind of players. Um, you know, Sorensen almost as a lesser version of Timo Meyer. Yeah. Uh, I think they've played well together with, with. Tier. I think it's because what, it, it, the reason he has fit with the Sharks is because he fits their system in yes. terms of he's a, a good puck retrieval guy. Yes. And that's why I say that he could fit with the Joes because he's like, the, he fits that. They need a puck retrieval guy. Yeah. He'll, right. He will You're take down the, puck. the top line, but like, okay. Right. You know, but right. He'll go get, he would go get spot the puck. shift here and there. He right. wouldn't look out of place. He would go get the puck, get the puck to the puck guys, and then that would be that, would, and then go harass guys yeah. the rest of the shift and get where to the I, where I think he's where I think he hasn't been a good fit is personally, in my opinion, I don't think he's a good fit centering his own line. No, uh, it's not game to I do. I don't think he's been a fit with O'Regan because uh, O'Regan got bumped to the fourth last night, and Tierney got bumped to the third. Um, or no, Tierney was out last night. Excuse me. Who who centered the third line then? No, they dropped Hurdle back down from right. the top line. Uh, well, where, yeah. where Haley really gets lost is when he gets stuck in his defensive zone. And I think where he really gets stuck in yeah. that situation in particular is at two places. One, when he's especially when he's centering his own line and when he gets yes. stuck in the defensive zone because then he's being asked to do too much because he's asked to quarterback yeah. it. And even to a lesser extent when Tierney's centering it because Tierney is not good defensively. Right. Because Tierney has almost no idea what he's doing quarterbacking the defensive zone um so when he's back think, there with like paul martin or somebody to to organize but when they're back there with the third line uh third pairing i mean excuse me uh when, it's right. back, when did schlemko back there it's okay but when you i've definitely noticed when schlemko was out and you would see a shift where it was Demello and dylan and the right. line back there that's where it started to get a little bit and it's again it's him there. he needs to play like everybody in the lineup needs to play with the right kind of players and i think he can succeed with Tierney, and he did like he did tonight. But they need the right kind of way. They need Kevin LeBanc. They need Timo Meyer, or at worst, they need, uh, you know, Marcus Sorensen. Again, I think another area where they're missing Melker Carlson. He's been a pretty good fit with them, and he's another guy who's who's got good hockey IQ and retrieves pucks. And he and Haley have a nice. Uh, they play well off of each other. They, you know, Haley's set up Carlson for a couple uh, pretty nice goals here this season. So. You know, we'll see. I think in the right situation, he could, you know, he's a he's a valuable fourth line component, whether or not, you know, they should ice him in a in a playoff series. I think 
you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I think if you had asked me before the season, I probably would have said no. But I think, again, if he's in the right situation, I think you can use him in a playoff series and he can be an effective fourth liner. All right, well, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go that far, but, you, but that, that's fine. Uh, I, think, I think it depends on what their injury situation is. I think that there's a way they can do it if they have to. I think it just depends that's on what, what I mean. the yeah, – That's what I'm getting right, I mean, exactly. if all is persisting, like – Right, if this – yeah, if, every te- if everybody else on the Sharks is going to keep dying like this and they right. have to, I think that there is absolutely a way that they can do it and not be toast as far as uh, yeah. the rest of the way goes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, again, like I said, I think that the biggest concern again is still, uh, even once guys come back healthy, is still that 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 Vlasic Braun uh, pairing, which has been which has struggled. I think as they've gotten, uh, I, what yes. it seems like has happened. Are, are you seeing it on the eye test? Because like I don't know, I, I didn't really feel like they've. Str- I don't know. I haven't noticed it. What that's one where I think the numbers have not matched my eye test again. That probably means my eyes are wrong. Uh, yeah, not. no, I have absolutely noticed. What I've noticed, what, well, here's what I've noticed is that they've they've gotten tough, they've gotten more time with tougher assignments recently. Because what right. I noticed first is that Pete DeBoer is giving uh, the Braun or the Burns Martin yeah. uh, easier assignments. Yeah, and listen, that that means that somebody else is getting tougher assignments, right? That, that has to be made up in the aggregate somewhere. Because you'll remember, I commented to you, I, I don't remember when this was, I don't even remember if this was right. on the podcast, that, uh, that that pairing was getting more time with the fourth line recently. Uh, right. That was just something I noticed to, you know, maybe they were just doing that to, to either to cover for the fourth line or maybe that was to generate more offensive opportunities, whatever. Because for a while, that, that uh, Burns pairing was kind of really the top, what well, it is, in terms of ice time, it is the, the top unit. But even in terms of just, uh, um, you know, competition, they were basically kind of even. Um, And I think what I've noticed recently is that they're getting easier competition. I think that that's being done to generate more offense as the offense struggled for a great part of the year. That kind of stopped happening. And I think that Braun and Vlasic have kind of struggled under that pressure. I think that's part of it. Um, And you know what, honestly, I think the other part too is just that they, that, that I've noticed that, that Vlasic and Braun have struggled to, the Vlasic especially just hasn't looked as, as good this year against, um, against top, top competition. He just has has not looked that good against the Conor McDavid's and the Johnny Goodrows of the world. Hasn't looked as good as he has in the past. Um, Early in the year, I thought he, he played well that first game against Calgary. When they lost, they lost that game. They outshot them by a lot. I thought he, I thought he had a nice game then, but yeah, I, I think I'm thinking more I, in like the post All Star break time. Right. Yeah, I, I haven't noticed a, a steep drop off over the course of the season, but I think he's. I think it's. I think he is not playing as well. I would agree. But what's, what is the solution? Do you think give them easier minutes? Start to load up. You know, because every I was looking at the Sharks' defensive minutes and. Frankly, their their roster allocation for this year in terms of minutes has been fascinating. Burns' ice time is down. He's got you know he's still got as many points as he does. His ice time last I checked was down by about a minute. Just about everybody's ice time was down. You know, thirty seconds to a minute. Uh, the big increases, of course, being Schlemko and Demello from what it, from what the Sharks were using in those spots last year. The Sharks used Polak uh, a little more than they used um, than they used. Uh, Schlemko, but that timeline ice is a little misleading because Vlasic was hurt down the stretch last year and they had Polak basically playing top four minutes, DeMello playing bottom pairing. Um, but, you know, DeMello's minutes are even up like almost two or three minutes over last year. So it, it's kind of fascinating to see how the ice time usage has been. But what do you think the solution is? Just they have to expect more from them? Do they ease up, defend the, excuse me, the tough assignments? Do you start to give some maybe a little tougher assignments to Brent Burns and Paul Martin or? Maybe to David Schlemko and Brendan Dillon, or do you just mix up the pairings? I think I think you lose. I think that's I think that's what happens. There's nothing you can do about it. Listen, if Vlasic is becoming a worse player, you're going to lose. Right. That, that's what's going to happen. I, I don't think that there really yeah. is a solution here. I mean, because I think if, if 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 the problem is is Justin Braun, then okay, maybe you can do something about it. Maybe you can mix up the pairings, whatever. If the problem is that Vlasic is declining, and that's not outside the realm of possibility, he's certainly old enough. Yep. He's played a lot of years, years old. Um, played a lot of miles, man. A lot. And played a lot it of games. Not far, it is not far-fetched 
that the last two years too, he's played a lot of games. So, and I, I wonder, if, it I wonder if it's just a product of you know deep playoff run last year. A and you know the corollary, of course, you could argue is Brent Burns, but deep playoff run last year played for Team Canada this year. Like he's he's not played uh, as much probably as he's played over this last stretch, and neither has Burns. And you know, I think guys are dealing with it dealing with it at varying degrees. But I wonder if it's you know if the Sharks are bounced early and they have a short off season or a long off season, and Vlasic continues to struggle next year, then I think you really have you really have to start being concerned. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, yeah, it's. It, I think it's uh, legitimately, uh, you know, something that you have to at least be, at least be thinking about. Yeah. Um, I don't know, and there's not really, there's not really anything you can do about it. Uh, I think that you know, maybe you can, maybe you can, tr- you can try to bolster that pairing. Obviously, I mean, you can try to put, uh, you can try to put Burns, Burns and Vlasic together. They have played. They- the two of them have played well together. I looked at their with or without use. They've been, I mean, as expected, they've been awesome together in terms of puck possession. Uh, and Braun and Martin haven't been too bad either. Um, you know, I, I wonder if I, and I, so I wonder if that could be a solution where they think, okay, if we need to, we need to get Vlasic going, so to speak, let's play him with Burns, stack that top pairing and see how, how Martin and Braun do together. But at that point, I'd almost rather have them mix up all three pairings at that point. And move Schlemko up, and either move either move Schlemko up, or you know, he's, certainly yeah, don't move Dylan up. Well, I don't think you could play. I think Dylan would Dylan would probably have to play with Braun or Schlemko. I don't think I don't. And eh, well, Dylan's looked better on his offside, so maybe he could play with his Martin. Um, but I don't want to break up that third pairing too much either. And again, if Vlasic struggles too, and you know, I I don't think it can be dismissed entirely out of hand. Maybe that's a reason to dress seven defensemen then, especially if your your depth scoring hasn't been great. Um, there's creative ways to use seven defensemen. Uh, John Cooper rode seven defensemen when the Lightning made the Stanley Cup final. Granted, they had Victor Hedman and Steven Stamkos, but uh, you know, I don't. Maybe I don't. The answer is to move Brent Burns back to forward. That's what the <laughs> hockey writer says. I, the Sharks. Yeah, team. I saw that. I saw that article. Um, no, maybe probably not. Interesting idea. No, I, I think he's. I think he's fine. Um, yeah. No. So it. Well, I mean, it, that's 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 probably a big concern. You know, we talked a little bit too about Thornton's decline. Um, I think he's that's looked, more concerning for the Sharks at this point, to be honest. Yeah, I think he's looked. Again, it, it's really he's the problem. He's not looked. Very, he has not looked good. Lately, I think he has. No. He looked All right, bad. Well, I, I just disagree then because I think he's been I think he's been good since the break personally oh, since the bye week. I think he, he looks. Uh, he I don't think he was great tonight, but I thought he, he was better yeah. tonight than last night. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I think he's, I, I guess I it depends. It's a, it's a it's a varying degrees. I think to me, I guess here's here here's my thing. I guess it's that it's not. He doesn't look bad. Uh, he he just looks definitely very much like he shouldn't maybe not be on the top line anymore. Yeah, his age is starting to catch up to him. And I think I think it's probably worth talking about whether or not he should be on the top line anymore. Yeah, you would. Would you want to use Couture there then? I mean, I think it's at least worth uh, worth a discussion point. Well, I th- th- I mean, see, can now can your usage of the players change, or can it not change, and you still call it Couture centering the top line? Because I think you and I both agree. Thornton shouldn't be necessarily handling the tough defensive assignments. Right. I I don't know if he necessarily is anyway, though, so it doesn't matter. Agreed. So then, how much how much changes really? Right. You boot. Do you bump hurdle? I think the the real question is: Do you bump hurdle up to a second line center type role, which we haven't seen him really do this year? He played it quite a bit last year. I don't know if he's sure if he's going to actually handle it at this point, though, given how much time he's missed. I think maybe if he plays a full right. season, maybe he's more ready for it. But at this point, I don't know if he's actually I think that's ready a move for it. Next season is right. You run Thornton so in a sheltered third scoring line. You put Kachur with Pavelski. If um, anything, I think uh, I guess yeah. If there's a silver lining to this, this definitely helps the Sharks as far as that contract negotiation goes. Because I think uh, oh. Jumbo's. Uh, fucking dreaming if he thinks he's getting that sweet three-year deal that the idiot was uh, t- shooting his mouth about in the uh, in the in the press during the season cause. if he was a free agent last year he probably would have gotten it. oh oh absolutely as a point to game player yeah he, yeah he's probably getting that big deal this year uh, sorry no. buddy maybe you'll get a two-year he's deal a guy who i think you could say okay number of games like especially at his age 
age fight. That's that's caught up to him. But I think he's again, he's it's what I think about Thornton has really been what I thought about the Sharks like this whole season. Like they've looked good. They're just not like they're not scoring as much, you know. I think he's definitely not looked as good as he did last year, but oh, there have my, been moments. My thing though is that it's not really his passing is not as good. Um, his passes have not been getting have not been getting through, That's and, it, fair. and they've been behind players. But um, I do think he's been sharper since the break, since the bye week. I think though that at the same time, I think that you've seen that this compressed schedule has really hurt him, and that's going to hurt him in the playoffs Agreed. too, which Agreed. is where it matters anyway. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't care about what. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, Joe Thornton could sit out for 40 games next year, play the second half of the season, and then come show up in the playoffs, and that would be fine with me because you know he'd be better right. rested. You know, the, the I don't really care about what he does in the regular season. You know, it's definitely, I, it's definitely, you know, you'll, you'll notice it based on the way that, uh, the way I've noticed it almost more is the way Jamie Baker tries to cape for Thornton or Randy Honda. It's like, oh, Joe Pavelski wasn't able to catch that pass from Thornton. It's like, well, no shit, Randy. The pass went off his, uh, the back of his skate blade. Right. Uh, Joe Pavelski I, I think is good. He's not that good. He's, he's definitely declined. There's been a, a decrease in sharpness. Which is he, like, listen, it doesn't matter. He's still, but he's really old. Like, good. it happens. You just gotta yeah, prepare. Not for the, it. I'm not trying to make it like it's this big deal. Like that's literally the way it works. He's still yeah. like a really good player. But it's like, listen, it's still happening. But they my point is just that it really, it really matters for the Sharks. They expected him to be they, closer to the point of game player. He it's was not even like an expectation. It has to happen. No, it I'm, I'm saying happen. that this year they did not expect him to decline at the rate he has. I'm saying that they expected him to be more yeah, along maybe. the lines of the player he was last season. Wow. Which is, again, not wise, right. but they figured, oh, wow. he's 36. He just scored that many points. Like, yeah, that was I, don't think expect, I didn't expect it to come this quickly. To yeah. hit, the, I thought it would be more gradual. I did not expect it to be this big of a drop-off this soon. Um, I mean, I guess uh, I thought last year was the aberration, so – I guess that's maybe. fair. That's fair. Maybe I was cynical. See, I, last I, year. I had thought more that the, you know, I think it, last year he benefited from a really high shooting percentage. I I had felt more that 2014-15 was more like okay, that's he's not gonna, he's not gonna reach that low, uh, anytime soon. But again, player that age, you know, and like Marlowe this year, who's succeeding so well, and that's probably gonna end up having been the aberration year, almost yeah. certainly. Almost um, certainly. And so like, let's start setting that expectation now because, yeah. uh, listen, kids, it's not happening again, all right? It's fun. We're having fun. It's good to have fun. Don't I don't think he's going to score 25 goals next year, though. No. no, he's not. He's probably going to score 15 to 20. Which would still be pretty darn good. Which would be awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be pretty um, good. So I, I think, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. The thing with Thornton's decline is that I think they still have the pieces uh, to make to kind of mitigate some of that decrease this you've seen this year. Um, if Hurdle can play a larger role, and if they're if, frankly just if their depth players can, because if if the Sharks' top guys can play even uh, with some of these teams' top pairings, you know, like they or top lines like they did in the playoffs last year, and they can get like similar contributions from their depth they're going to be okay. But, you know, that hasn't happened so far. And the, well, I think the problem is they're not really trusting the better pieces of their depth. And I guess that that's be. my biggest criticism of Pete DeBoer this year is that he's trusting yeah. the wrong depth players. Yeah, I think that's fair. And there's not been enough patience with the young players really either. Agreed. I think that um, – I know you can point to Kevin LeBanc having a long scoring slump, to Timo Meyer not scoring enough, but I think that you're ignoring then the pieces of what they're doing, of their games that are working, while also ignoring the pieces – the long scoring slumps of guys like, you know, Michael Haley, which, and yeah, I don't want to pick on the guy or even like Marcus or Chris Tierney or Marcus Sorensen um, guys that really aren't scoring either. Um, or where, you well, know, Sorensen's got two goals in his last seven games or something. He scored those yeah. two. Right. Uh, and, and listen, like the, those guys aren't really doing anything. Uh, like I think Tierney is legitimately fine. Like he's fine, whatever. Right. But like, you know, I don't really think Sorensen is anything special. Haley is nothing special. And those guys don't have the upside so you're not getting that benefit that you have by playing well, and that, a guy like again, and that's what you need with with your older with your stars not playing as well. You need to then sprinkle your bottom six with guys who have upside. Like you know what you're getting from Michael Haley. Um, you know what you're getting from Marcus Sorensen. Frankly, I think DeBoer's usage of them would maybe be a little more defensible if some of their bigger players were not were not struggling the way they are. You know, yes, they're getting goals from 
those four guys. But if they were getting more contributions from Thornton at the top of the lineup and, and, you know, even, even down to hurdle and Don Scoy, it'd be like, okay, like, you know, it's not a great fourth line, but you know, it's getting the job done. Now they're not in a, they don't have a margin for error where they can play a guy like that who doesn't have enough, doesn't really have an ability to score. That's proven. Well, you remember when this happened, when we did this exact same thing was during the, the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. I remember is when, yep. when people said that people asked me, when are we going to talk about the Roman Polak pairing? I said, when the Sharks start losing. Yeah. Game three of the Stanley Cup finals. I said, okay, before that, I said, it's time to talk about the Roman Polak yeah. pairing. Yeah. That's, that's how it works. Yeah. Like, that's when people are willing to listen to me say, hey, guys, guess what? These depth players that suck when there are better options, that's when right. people are finally willing to listen. Because listen, that's that's the way that's the way they it just, works. I, yeah, they need to take. You, you don't have the same margin for error that you had with your with everybody firing on all cylinders. They're not, and you need to inject. Like, we're. I think. I think it's fair to say this. Is my I can say my bold prediction for this podcast. We're gonna get one of Meyer LeBanc up with the Sharks by playoff time. Like they, one of them will be penciled in to be in the lineup in the Sharks like playoff run. I think. Even when fully healthy. I mean, frankly, I think frankly, I think the way uh, Myers played, we were talking about it before the show, how great he was in possession last night. Um, once Carlson's back, you're probably going to scratch Sorensen. And then once Hansen's back, you're probably going to scratch Haley, given, I mean, if what's happened the last two games keeps up. Continues happening. Yeah. And it has to continue. And again, that's that's on Myers. I mean, right, right. Team. And that's his but job, he, right. I, I mean, he looked better than he did when he got first correct. called up. And, and he I, looked, and in my opinion, looked pretty good. So if the, if points start exactly. to come with that play, especially, although granted he's playing on the fourth line now, so I think it's less imperative that the points come with that play. I think the expectations are different for the fourth line. And that, than, and that's why I think Michael Haley and Marcus Sorensen have a seemingly longer leash than right. Kevin LeBanc or Timo Meyer. Which in a is top line. stupid. Agreed. 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 <laughs> For a Agreed. team that it's, wants to win a Stanley Cup. The adjust, again, there's the adjusting of expectations and the view that, you know, as much as they want to roll four lines, that doesn't necessarily mean they want four lines that can score. They just want to be able to play each for 10 minutes. So, yeah, I think he's – they've got – it's imperative for them to come to, to put the right uh, right guys in the lineup, given how much some of the, the top guys and even some of the top parts of their depth have struggled. Bodker, Ward, Donskoy, and – I wouldn't say hurdle because I think he's actually, I think he's actually scoring at a rate similar to what he's scored in previous years playing on uh, at least similar to what he did. Cause he was about a half a point a game player last year. Right. I want to say hurdle. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. I'm looking and he's up. right around there this year, I think. So let's see. Yeah. 0.57 last year. He's 0.45 this year. Yeah. People are talking about him like he's regressing this year and that's because People don't actually know, but I, I think, and I think what we've seen from Hurdle, and it's it's fine. I just, again, he's he's being asked to do different things as the third line center than he is as the top line winger with Joe Thornton. Like those, those require right. different skill sets. He's great at both. He's not, but he doesn't. He's yet to score as much as a center because I don't think he's been at, again. And I, I think that's a bad argument because you know people say the, oh well, Eric Carlson or Drew Doughty could score as much as Eric Carlson if he was asked to, which is like, okay, that's stupid, but well, no, actually he couldn't. Yeah. He literally that's couldn't. dumb. But again, I don't, I don't think, I don't think hurdle. I don't know if the expectation of for hurdles scoring is the same with him as the third line center in DeBoer's eyes as it is when he's playing on a wing with Joe Thornton. I, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's the same. He has the same expectations. Well, you're also he's also playing with much worse players when he's exactly. On the third line, and he's so. doing, he's putting them in a position to succeed. Hurdle's been the best possession player. He's one of the five lowest in terms of on ice shooting percentage. So putting him and Donskoy together is like another reason why I don't think that works is because they are literally two of the five lowest in on ice shooting percentage. The only way that could be worse is if they put Meyer there, who's also one of the five lowest members of the Sharks in terms of on ice shooting percentage, meaning how the Sharks shoot with them on the ice, not how each of those three shoot. Yep. Uh, you know, and again, I think that if you watch Hurdle, uh, you know, you'll, you'll come to realize, especially this year, that, you know, he's playing fine. Uh, the dude's been injured this year, and I think that you got to take that to oh, account. I think he's taking a step forward as a I, set. Yeah, I think so too. 
Um, and, and listen, you know, uh, the team knows that. I think that beyond anything else, that's that's maybe that's what's most important. I, 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 and I know he got moved to that top line the other game. But, you know, there was a, on a broadcast, there was, you know, DeBoer yeah. was saying how he was going to pretty much use Hurdle as the third line center for the rest of the season. Like last night in Dallas, they're losing. What is what does DeBoer do? He doesn't keep Hurdle on the top line. He moves him to center. I think that's ultimately where he views him. That's ultimately where the Sharks view him. That's where they want him. And I don't think he would have moved Hurdle back to that third line center spot last night if he wasn't happy with his growth at the position this year. Right, absolutely. Um, he's had great possession numbers with pretty much everyone this year. The only line that uh, group that he has had good possession numbers with was when he played with Donskoy and Bodker, uh, which doesn't surprise me because Bodker's not a good possession player. Yeah, Bodker's um, been, I was looking at those with or without use. He's he's without him, he's got better numbers. It's 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 not it's not his game, man. Uh, yeah. he had great numbers with Tierney and Ward, with Meyer and Ward. Uh, Marlow and Carlson and okay numbers with uh, Thornton and Pavelski. That's actually the really is that his worst his worst line other than with Bodker and Dodson. Right, I mean his worst in Fenwick and this is scores on a venue adjusted is fifty five point seven in Fenwick. Right. Uh, his best is sixty two point six one with, with Tierney and Ward. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. He sucks. Yeah, <laughs> what a step back, dude. Ugh. Ready for the he did a bit of a scoring drought, though. Five games without a point. They need. Yeah, he he's in a scoring drought. Yeah, no shit. So it's everybody. So it's everybody. Yeah, literally wow. the, the take a number, baby. Describe the Sharks this year is they've looked good. They just start scoring. Like that's literally that's literally been them. The good news is that the um the goaltending has been good. So I and I since that bye week, uh, Martin Jones has has played a lot better since Dell's been getting more starts. Yep. You know we much begrudged their usage of Jones early in the season, but they, this is starting to smack of deliberate that they were like, okay, we're gonna get to the bye week, and that's at a similar point as the trade deadline was last year. And we got Reimer, and that's where we're, when we're gonna ease off, ease Jones off. You know, see if he can handle the bigger workload earlier in the season than as needed wean him off and i think that it's it's right now it's working because he i don't think joe he stopped 24 of 27 shots tonight again one of those you probably want back but i thought he actually played pretty well he made a lot of a lot of really good saves and ultimately kept the sharks in the game in the second period for them to tie it they then went ahead and allowed two goals within 15 seconds of course but um I thought he played pretty well tonight. He was great. He's been great before tonight. Aaron Dell continues to be really good. Um, I imagine Dell will probably start again in Dallas. Yeah, uh, I would think so. I mean, I don't think there's any reason not to, right? Yeah, he's going to start one of those games, whether it's Dallas or or Nashville. But I think you start Jones in Nashville because that's against the you know quote unquote playoff team. Um, but maybe you want to. Maybe they want to test Dell. But yeah, they've been. They've been getting good goaltending, and especially since the bye week, I think Martin Jones has really come on strong, which is uh, encouraging. It's encouraging for the Sharks because, you know, a series in which their big guys did not play very well, uh, they got to six games because of how well he played. So I'm not expecting him to reach those heights again this postseason, but hey, if he did, that'd be pretty nice. All right, let's uh, end with two positive-ish numbers. Uh, One less positive, one very positive. Do we have questions? Uh, let me. I'll scroll through those after I hit the two numbers. Okay, hit the numbers. Sharks are 12th in the NHL in goals four per 60 and five-on-five scoring. That's a lot better than I thought it would be. Uh, yeah. Much a more down positive. year for them is middle of the road at even strength. Think about exactly. that. Much more positive. They are second in the NHL in goals against per 60 at even strength. That is a good sign. They've, they've, I'll, I will they've been a very it. good defensive team this year, and that's ultimately – And that's with uh, some injury problems and thanks to great goaltending. And, you know, Vlasic and, Vlasic and Braun, notwithstanding, I think the defense has been really strong this year. And I think, you know, if they can – if the two of them as a pairing can step it up even a little bit, and help help reduce that. They're going to be even better in the playoffs. And you know, they I think arguably have been one of the best defensive teams in the league this year, top to bottom. They have I'd say the best defensive group in the league, one through seven. Um, don't at me, but um, at me, bitch. yeah. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think, yeah. So that, that, that the goals against doesn't surprise me as much as the goals for do. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's still nice to hear. I needed that good number. If you have questions, yeah. go ahead and drop them in the chat right now. I'm going to start scrolling through and reading them while that's awesome. happening. Uh, let's see. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Uh, wow. Okay. Hang on. Uh, can I, this isn't a question, but this is a hot take. Do you want me to read this hot take? Love it. Okay. <clears throat> this is from our good friend. He's our good friend now. Uh, Jack Zimmerman, Bodker doesn't deserve his ice time. Send Sorensen down and bring LeBanc or Carpenter back. I'll note that he is one of a thousand people this year to spell LeBanc wrong. It's L-A-B-A-N-C. Right. Please spell this guy's name right. Agreed. Let's at least get it right next year. We've got we've got the we've got the one year grace period right. where it's okay. Frankly, I wish yeah. I wish it was Lab Bank. I do. I really. I do. do. Oh, I also do. Yeah. I just, um, I'm just. It, it's fine when you're not criticizing him, but it, it pisses me off when somebody like drags the, the dude and spells his name wrong. It's like, yeah. listen, if you're gonna rip a guy, at yeah. least respect him enough to get his name wrong. Anyway, we gotta, we gotta make a fear the fin style guide so people know. The one right. that bugs me is when people spell Vlasic with two S's. So it's what's the deal with that? He's been here for like a thousand. Yeah, that's years. What I get. That's what I'm like. I'm like, okay, guys. Okay, <laughs> you've ex you just played yourself. Maybe you just want to type ass. Like maybe that's what. <laughs> which is oh. is that like a a the Freudian kink? Yeah, respect. Could be. Uh, do you have any comment uh, on this uh, on the, on this hot take? Yeah, Bodcrass has been great. <laughs> um, I think he's been. I don't think I think he's not played very well of late. Uh, I think he's he's had some stretches this season where he's been really good. Lately, I, I think this might be one of his, his lesser uh, stretches. He hasn't been very, and I hate to use the term, but he hasn't been very noticeable. Uh, like He's definitely had stretches oh where you're like, okay, he's playing very well. He's just not scoring. Uh, this feels like he's not playing super well, and he's not scoring. Uh, I'm not really sure what the position to is. Fail. What'd you say? I feel like he's being put in a position to fail by uh, by the coaching staff. Yeah, so what, what do you think that putting him in the position to succeed? I, I think I, they had a great line put together with Marlo Couture and Bacher that was working very right. well, and then for no reason they blew it up. Yeah, I think you got to go back to the good, the bottom, and the ugly. Yeah, like they – I have no I, – I can't fathom why they did not – Are they a good possession line? Up. Well, yeah, sure, Couture was on that line. Of course it was good. Okay, I can't remember what their numbers were. Yeah, I agree that – that kind of that was a bit of a head scratcher when they broke that lineup. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, his his like uh, individual scoring chance numbers are are down ish. Um, but like they they're relatively consistent to what they had been for most of the season. Like they're definitely down. Like they were really good. Um, like in, in average. Yeah, his scoring chance numbers. Yeah, his rolling average. Yeah, they're definitely down over the last you know month or so. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's I, – I would agree. I think putting him back with Morrow and Couture, like – It just seems like that was the one – you finally found a spot. That was the one that was working. Worked, and it's like, oh, hey, by the way, nah. That's we talked what, about, you know, Haley's hockey sense and why that's allowed him to fit in with certain players. I think Marlowe, Bodker, and Couture's hockey sense allowed them to have a really excellent line. I mean, they made some passes on zone entries, like – or on, on, on man rushes that were just, like, not just, you know – one guy on the wing taking it to the net, but like finding the trailer and then finding the guy with the extra pass. Like they're a very smart line. Uh, I think putting them back together would solve a lot of the Sharks issues. I think Hurdle Donskoy Ward is a little more ideal than Couture Donskoy Ward uh, or Couture Marlowe Ward, depending on what the Sharks have been doing. But yeah, I think I would agree with that. Put them, put them back together. I mean, otherwise, I don't really know what else you can do. I mean, I don't know if you can drop into the fourth line. Maybe if it's Ryan Carpenter. Uh, Kevin LeBanc and I think at the same time he still has made some really great plays I think on the uh, especially last night he had a, a, a no at least one shift on that penalty kill that was absolutely phenomenal yeah oh uh, he had, I mean him and Burns had one like Burns had some one pass to him last night that was just like unbelievable yeah I, I think it was yeah they they I know uh, on that same penalty kill Bodker had a great play on the penalty kill uh, and then Burns followed it up on the exact same shift. I think he came onto the ice after Bodker. Uh, Bodker kept the puck in the zone. Right. Burns followed it up with a great scoring chance right after yeah. that. And he, uh, so I, I think that was one of the best scoring chances in the in the entire game. So you know, I think that's probably been one of the areas he's been strongest in is is the penalty kill this year, and the the penalty kill has been pretty good. Which and, go figure. And yeah, right. The the area in terms well, we of, signed him for that. Thank God. Yeah, the area in terms of systems that you. Uh, you don't necessarily expect to be. That was the opposite thing we got you for. So good. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I think putting him with Marlon Couture back for the playoffs is uh is the uh is the best thing they can do. I would agree with you. Okay. Uh let's see. Uh oh, we have a good conspiracy theory. Yari suggests that uh that Vlasic may have been sitting with the quote flu as a way to give him some rest. Uh, I, I, based on the, um, that Mark Purdy call the other day, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's, that's probably not well, the Kurs, case. Curse tweeted before the game. He said he saw, I guess, you know, when he went down to do the pregame scrum with DeBoer, he said Vlasic looked fu- like looked fine in the, uh, in the, you know, as much, as much as he could have judged, you know, didn't, didn't notice him, you know, the, the clammy hands. Maybe maybe he licked his palms, Ferris Bueller style, uh, to get out of the game. Um, I think of any guy on the Sharks, that is like the last guy no, every, in every. the world. Oh, who? Okay, wait. Can we can we guess who is the guy most likely to fa- to Ferris Bueller out of a game? To Brent Ferris, just specific, not just specifically like leave, like skip a game, but to Ferris Bueller a game. Yeah, Brent Burns, the right? Like, sure. The guy who's most likely to. To like miss the game to then go tour like whatever city, a cool city, not Minneapolis, but a better city like Chicago. Right. Let's say Chicago. That's a good question. That's a really that is a really good question. Um, and you know I I don't know if there I don't who seems like a guy that would do I probably I'm probably gonna say like one of the goalies like oh that's not bad just because goalies are like odd and like, but it they, wouldn't be Martin Jones though. Like, remember I was, when I was at the all-star game, like there were like, not just me, but like multiple guys were like, Oh man. So you're back in LA. That's cool. You got to like see anybody or do anything. Yeah. like, no, oh. I was just thinking from a goalies are weird perspective, but you know, I, I don't even know oh, if like, it would be. Oh, oh, you know what? No, I can think of a goalie who would do that for sure. Uh, Mark, Mark, no, Mark Andre Fleury would absolutely yes. do that. Yeah. He'd fair. Like, like the guy. No, Brzgalov would just be like, oh, guys, <laughs> I'm sick. I have, sick I have cough. Oh, I have, I've cough. I've got the, uh, ugh, can't play tonight. Adios. And he would just leave. I, and think, would, uh, yeah. I think I think those are both very good answers. On the Sharks, I don't know. I think that's I a, think Brent Burns would do it. See, I think he just, I think he loves playing hockey too much. Like he'd, nah, yeah. No, I don't think so. But he'd, he'd do it, and then he'd go play in like a shinny game. Like, right. I think that would be part of his, that'd be part of his Ferris Buellering, you know? It'd right. Be, it'd be like, you know, an adaptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or right. he'd play in like a roller hockey game or something. Well, this ended up being a way better answer to this question. Uh, <laughs> we should do more of these. Uh, okay, a suggested contract for Jumbo, which I'm going to uh, uh, rebuke. Three years at $4 million for Jumbo and a similar three-year uh Marlowe at four to five million. I would. I do four, but I wouldn't do those years. I I think if you're the Sharks, you got to max out at two years. Yeah, I do two and four, and if, if it was three years, I mean, it would have to be like three million at most. I think it even have to be like two million a year. Yeah, me too. It have to be move like. And with a, it couldn't be with a no movement clause. That's either. the only thing that if I had to, I'd sign. If it had a no move, there's no way they'd have to be able no to way. that contract. Yeah, like honestly, at that point, I'd be like, "Listen, guys, we can sign somebody else." Yeah, we, three, we absolutely yeah, three for can. Four. Pro- promise, we can. Um, nope. Oh, I, I do have a. Uh, I I did read a tweet. I gotta uh, find the source, but uh, someone was saying there was some speculation I read tonight that if um if the Isles cannot reach an extension with John Tavares this Shit. before the summer, that no, they will trade him. They will look to move him. Uh, that's bad news. Should the Sharks go after him? In a trade, no, or should they just wait? Well, that's that's a problem. I don't want the Isles to move him because I don't want the Sharks to have to give up assets. I just want them to sign him for nothing. Right, right. Well, that's terrible. But then, what if he goes to another team and he loves it? That's the calculated risk you're going to run. It's not like when Carmelo Anthony was a free ag- was going to be a free agent and then he, you know, commandeered a trade to the Knicks when he could have waited three months, had all the pieces there, and then gone to an actual good team. You know. Yeah, what an idiot. If, if, you got, if you got assurances that Tavares wanted to join the Sharks, which, again, we're putting the speculative journalist hard hats on, not just the hats. The, no, no, the these, are, these are right. Can sure. Rocks fall on our heads. Yeah, uh, right, if you got right. an assurance that he would sign there in the offseason, you just wait until then. But um, no, that, that's certainly something to look out for. The Sharks aren't going to get those, yeah. The Sharks don't have the pieces to get Tavares, so. Not anymore, I wouldn't say. 
Not ever. Goldobin would have had to be part of the package. Not saying oh. Goldobin would have put it over the top. No, he wouldn't he would have, have offered yeah. like it would probably they probably are going to be like, all right, give us Jeremy Waugh, Goldobin, Emo Meyer, and your next first round pick. Well, yeah, now the Sharks aren't even going to have a first round pick anymore. Am I right, boys? Yeah, that's Ladies? right. That's hey. right. <laughs> <laughs> Ishigo, uh, we'll, uh, all the way. But we'll let uh, we'll let him drink out of the Stanley Cup this summer if he wants. Yes. So no problem. Yes. And he can even uh, help cut Burns' beard if he wants. Yes. No problem. So if that doesn't do it, I don't know what will. Yeah, I agree. Maybe a sign and trade type thing. Sign and trade the beard? Ooh. Okay, I was thinking Tavares, but yeah, you're right. I don't know, something like that. We could trade pieces of Brett Bird's beard. Brett Bird's beard for John Tavares. Yeah, that works. (laughs) Boom. It's done. Done deal. Those are the questions. Those were the stats. This was the Fear of the Fincast. Uh, I'm Jake Sundstrom, at Jake Sundstrom on Twitter. That's Marcus P. White, at Marcus P. White. Uh, This was the Fear of the Fincast. Thanks, guys.